Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Virtual Student Experiences Engineering Spotlight. If you're new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students. The goal of the VSC is to give students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in a career field of interest in a friendly and casual setting. For students that know what they want to do, the role of the VSC is to encourage, allow, and connect those students with professionals. Through VSC, students are given the chance to decide if their career of choice fits their personality, skills, and overall interests. For students who are ambivalent about their future, the role of the VSC is to help them not only explore, but discover different career paths and options. To find out more information and sign up to be notified about our other webinars, you can visit www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. I just wanna go over some housekeeping things before we get started, so hang tight. Firstly, I'm going to be asking our guest professional that I'll introduce in a second, a series of base knowledge questions so that you can get a good idea of who she is and what she does. If at any time you have a question that you think of, feel free to post it in the Q&A module and we'll get to it in the latter part of the webinar. Without further ado, Ms. Trin is a quality engineer who has implemented her past experience in management, leadership, and design. Her education began at Grover Cleveland Charter High School, where she laid down the stepping stones for her successful career. She then earned a bachelor's degree in English literature and a bachelor's degree in business administration at USC. She has implemented her knowledge as a business knowledge executive, product reporting specialist, and configuration coordinator into her current roles as a freelance graphic designer and quality engineer. Ms. Trin is specialized in risk management, hazard management, and much more. Thank you, Ms. Trin, for joining us today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Right, so starting off, um, so you received your bachelor's degree at USC in both English literature and business administration. So can you tell us a little bit about how those degrees have helped you in your career? I would say the biggest way that those degrees have helped me is really broadening my perspective. If I can take you back a couple of years when I was applying to colleges, uh, to be honest, I think in high school, I don't think a whole lot of, I was 16 when I graduated. So I don't think asking a 16, 17, 18 year old what they wanna do for the rest of their life is really the right question. And what I've learned from my business coach over the years is a degree is only as good as you make of it. And when I was applying for schools, really the only reason why I double majored was because I thought more is better. And that having more experiences, more degrees would end up opening more doors for me and have more opportunity um, be able to present itself as I carried on in my career. But in choosing a major, one was kind of a plan A, the other one was a plan B. I grew up in a business family, so I always knew that I wanted to build something of my own. But I had also had a lot of uh, teachers who told me that I was pretty good at writing. So I figured, let me pick something that I enjoy, that I'm not a whole, um, I can, wholeheartedly say that I would be able to bank myself on because I'm more of a poet than any other type of writer. And I think in this day and age, that's not something that provides the most uh, 
financial security, I would say. But in choosing the path that I went on, um, USC was a lot more expensive than other universities that I'd gotten into. Uh, as a matter of fact, Vassar was my top choice, um, aside from USC, and would have paid a lot for um, my education. I would have had a lot less student loans at the end of the day. But I realized that the value of my degree was more than just the piece of paper. It would be the experience that I would get out of it. And most importantly, it would be the network that I would obtain after the fact. And I knew that USC has always been praised for its network and it really hasn't um, failed its expectations. So the degrees themselves, I think, were good learning experiences. And college overall, uh, I would recommend to anybody so long as they know why they're doing what they're doing and like to get out of going to university but um really has nothing to do with what i do in my career right now technically speaking wonderful um so you touched on the double major that you um that you achieved so would you recommend a double major to any college student or would you advise against it i think um yeah, if it's feasible, I would highly recommend it. I think that having multiple skill sets, especially ones that are very diverse, makes um, a fresh graduate a lot more marketable in your skill set. And uh, as a matter of fact, when I got into the medical device industry for my career, the reason why I was able to um, start working at Medtronic, even though I didn't have any biomedical background was because of my writing degree. And I think being creative in how you sell your skill set, whether that's through your resume or how you communicate with others, being able to adapt, I think really ties into having multiple disciplines in what you study. So I highly recommend it. If you can figure it out with the college counselor, yeah, all for it. Right. So in your current position as a, as a quality engineer, what are your responsibilities and what do you do on a, on a day-to-day -day basis? So for the company that I work for, it's Boston Scientific, a medical device manufacturing company. And as a quality engineer, if I can give you a, a broader picture, right? If you look at a medical device, um, there is a design phase, of the product and there's also a lot of testing that has to be done in order to make the product viable. Um, so essentially the company's goal is to make sure that whatever product they put out into the marketplace is one that is safe for patients and one that will do well in the market. So as a quality engineer, my role specifically is within design quality and that is mostly in, it's a process Base, but it's also product based, if that makes sense. So especially medical devices, um, the role of a quality engineer is pretty much from start to finish to after the product is out in the market because you have to see how the product does. Um, if there are any complaints that happen in the marketplace, those things need to be tracked. And so as a quality engineer, it's really understanding the entire process that a manufacturing company takes and the approach that they have um, and really understanding the needs of key players that 
feed into that entire process. So with medical devices, there's a regulatory aspect. There's a quality aspect in terms of the product's ability to uh, perform according to what it's marketed as. So if a widget says it should be able to do A, B, C, D, does it actually in fact do that? And do those ABC outputs actually uh, show efficacy as it relates to the patient, right? So a lot of different components that go into it, but overall it's understanding the marketing side of things, how the product will be able to um, qualify for different uh, outside qualifications. So if we're talking regulatory, if we're talking legal, if we're talking labeling within different uh, countries. If you ever look at uh, an electronic and you see a little CE mark or small things like that, there are people who actually work towards making sure that those products um, qualify for those. So it's, it's a pretty broad range, but most of my day-to-day -day is pretty much problem solving. So understanding needs and trying to fill them. Right. So when problem solving, what skills do you use um, on your day-to-day -day as well as um, in your daily life? Good question. Um, skills, I would say a lot of interpersonal skills. You'd be surprised that as a quality engineer, you know, uh, if you look past all of the specifications and looking at technical things, uh, as you know, I don't have a technical background in engineering, but most of what I do involves skills that have to relate with um, just navigating, understanding documentation processes, and really just having a, a willing attitude to figure things out and be open to finding out who you need to know who might have that information that you're looking for. So really taking the initiative and understanding the big picture, because if you can imagine working at a company that has you know, 30,000 plus employees, it's a little difficult to know if you're just thrown into the fray, who knows what. So understanding infrastructure, um, understanding that it's good to ask questions uh, and it's good to also help others within your workplace too. A lot of it is just, um, remembering not to do things in silos and when other departments really rely on quality it takes that willingness to collaborate and and be a good conduit for communication within different departments. I mean awesome. And that applies to life too. Right, right. I mean so how, how do you apply or, or implement those skills into your work and, and stuff like that? Um, I'll give a good example. So let's say if you're, uh, if you're a quality engineer and you're working with the project team, um, there'll be a project manager, there'll be a regulatory person, there will be someone for marketing, um, there will be uh, R&D, so you'll have, it's kind of like uh, if you ever do a group project, right? You have the one who is manning the, the project in a way, who will give you the big picture, who will give you timelines, but also 
being the quality engineer, you have to understand what plays into what at what time. So if you need to submit a product for regulatory submission, certain things have to be in place, certain testing has to be done. Then they talk to um, a supplier, for example. So if you need to build a widget and there are 10 components that need to go into it, supplying engineering has to have the back end work and understand what the needs are. And project management would need to know how many quantity that they need to order. And so everything is very, very meticulous because you can't really overshoot and you can't undershoot either with testing because if you have to order parts in order to do testing, if you're short, then that costs a lot of money for the company, right? So understanding how timelines play into things, quantities, um, understanding a little bit of statistics so that you can uh, explain why you tested X number products in order to justify based off of the risk that uh, medical has deemed is appropriate for that specific device or a specific use case. Right. I mean, you seem to be, be very specialized in your attention to detail, um, but you also have certain specialties like neuromodulation, spinal cord stimulation, uh, hazard analysis, and more. So how did these become your specialties? Honestly, you just learn on the job. Um, I, I think uh, being an engineer is not something that uh, people can't just figure out. I don't think it even necessarily takes a degree to do so. I think it's just having a growth mindset. Um, and specialties really just come from you chugging away at problems and beginning to find patterns. And yeah, I think just everything's a learning process, I would say. Wonderful. Um, I mean, so how do you, how do you use those specialties um, in your job and, and how do you implement them into your, to your, I don't know about day to day, but into your um, personal life or, or stuff like that? To be honest, I think when it comes to personal life, I, I would say work and job is very much separate from personal life. I actually run my own business outside of working full time. Uh, I think that's a lot more integrated into my everyday life than I can necessarily say working for another company um, because my day-to-day -day is very technical. Right? There's not a whole lot of quality engineering that I can do with my family necessarily. But I think what I've learned in business, um, applying things to life, it's kind of like if you were to take an, a high quality approach to everything, it's more of like a lifestyle, right? So one thing that I've learned within the workforce is that for people to be able to rely on you as a good partner or coworker or uh, employee, being good for your word is something that's incredibly important. And I think it's probably not teach, taught. Yeah, it's, it's not taught as explicitly um, in school or at the workplace. I think having integrity and having a reputation built up 
for high quality work or high quality standards is something that you can take in your relationships, right? And um, just having a very giving attitude and realizing that the service that you provide to other people will come back tenfold. So going the extra mile in anything that you do is a sure recipe for you to become successful at anything. Right. So it's you more of an attitude. Right. So you touched on reputability and and making, I mean, I guess making a name for yourself. So how important is that in, in engineering? In engineering? Or, or um, your career? I would say overall in, in your career, it's kind of like if you have a group project, right? And you've done team group projects. If there's someone who has a reputation for uh, taking charge, for being collaborative, for uh, being timely, there are certain qualities that become a pattern for other people. And I think that's what makes somebody willing and wanting to work with you on a project or anything, um, whether you run your own business, whether um, whether you would come to the top of somebody's mind if they needed something, right? right? I think reputation is something that is not built off of your resume. It's not built off of your degree or credential. It's more of your character and what people can expect because I think when you're predictable, um, people want to work with you because you give them a sense of security of knowing what to expect if they were to work with you and how well they would be treated in the process. Wonderful. Um, so, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your time at Medtronic Diabetes as a, as a product reporting specialist? Sure. Um, I would say it was one of my earlier work experiences in uh, I was there as a contracted employee, so um, if you're not familiar with the recruitment cycle, um, you know, there was a technical recruiter who reached out to me and we connected. I ended up receiving a contract role with uh, Medtronic and that was during a time when the company had gotten a warning letter for having uh, overdue complaints. So basically the, the company needed a lot of manpower. Um, for lack of better terms. So I would say that experience was something that taught me how to persevere, uh, taught me the value of doing a job that would teach you even though what you got paid for it or the benefits weren't all that glamorous. Right? I think every job that you take can be a learning experience if you have the right attitude towards it. So I guess I learned what I didn't like uh, in company culture. And I think the blessing in disguise is that it gave me a stepping stone to where I'm at today. Right. So I mean, you touched on on the skill set you use um, while working at that job. So are there any skills that overlap from your past work that say, maybe a student now could develop? Yeah, um, as a product, 
product reporting specialist, you basically, um, so the manufacturer will have a product out in the market and there will be complaints, people calling in about you know, a specific product and there's a call center that takes records of that. But in those transcripts as a medical device company, they have to take those transcripts and turn them into kind of like a book report of sorts for that call. And they have to document specific things about what device, um, what was the nature of the call and kind of what the patient's uh, medical status was at that point in time. So product reporting had a lot more to do with understanding the specific industry, which at Medtronic it, for that location, um, the specialty is uh, diabetes and they work with insulin pumps. So it was understanding the product, it was understanding the medical terminology and uh, becoming a specialist within that field. So do I necessarily use that at my current role? No, but it's pretty much the same principle, it's just for a different product and for a different patient population. Right. But essentially having to learn that for another company in a different field is the same skill set. Right. In a sense, it's, it's adapting to the times, right? mm -hmm. using your skills and, and changing them to, to match your current position. I mean, so, I mean, what do you like about your current job now? I would say I enjoy the people. Um, I enjoy the company culture. I think that's incredibly important to look for at a company that you work for because at the end of the day, if you're, you know, spending 40 years working at a company, if that's your goal, um, ideally it would be with a company that takes good care of its employees and its customers equally, I would say. Um, so what I enjoy most about my current job is um, the way that HR has really inbuilt a lot of um, benefits and just really making their employees a human aspect rather than just a cog in a wheel. And I think that's something that any person who's looking for a job or a career should be mindful of. Although I don't think that necessarily will come with your first job or your second or your third job, right? Um, I'll be honest, I've gone through a lot of different roles in, in my career thus far. And it took some time for me to find a company where I'm actually happy with the management and um, the culture is a good fit. So it takes patience, um, but also that willing attitude to kind of, yeah, just be adaptable until you find a good fit. Wonderful. I mean, you, you've overcome a lot of challenges. So, I mean, what are the most challenging aspects uh, of your current job and how do you overcome those challenges? What skills do you use to, to overcome those obstacles? Good question. Um, in terms of obstacles, I would say time management. And uh, my business coach says there is no such thing as time management. It's more priority management. So I think, uh, especially in this day and age, a lot of companies are really trying to minimize their costs. And so what happens as a byproduct of that is a lot of companies will need their workforce to be the most efficient, which means that their workload will typically exceed their workforce. 
So it's really upon every individual to be very efficient in managing their priorities and planning out their projects. So I think one skill set that I've had to really acquire, especially within the last year, um, has just been planning efficiently and executing on what I plan. So understanding what projects take the most priority um, and also prioritizing downtime. I think especially working from home now, uh, we have to be very mindful of that because if you're working and running on empty, there's not a whole lot left you can give to the world, you know? Right. I mean, so you've been to a bunch of different companies, held a bunch of different positions and jobs. So what values do you hold that carry, carry you carry throughout all those positions? Um, I would say taking ownership for what you do, whether it's for a company or whether you're building something of your own. I think at the end of the day, a person's brand is what value they offer. And I think that especially if you know, you're a high school student or a college graduate or someone just looking to start your career, I think what's important to understand in terms of values is understanding why you do what you do. Because I think a lot of the times um, we ask people what they want to do when they get older, but who said I wanted to do anything for the rest of my life in terms of how to make money, right? I think the better question that my coach asked me was how do you want to live? And if you start from that vantage point, it's kind of like, if you were to hop into a car and plug into your GPS, your destination, you would plug it in before you start driving, before you pick your vehicle, right? Because I'm in LA, you're in Hawaii, and if I wanted to get to Hawaii and I hopped into a, a car, I don't think I would get there no matter how hard I tried or how quickly I drove or how great that vehicle was. I don't think I would get to Hawaii and I would be very frustrated in the process. So knowing what your destination is and really understanding what kind of lifestyle um, a certain profession can provide you because I don't think I ever uh, had planned to be an engineer. I've always wanted to just run my own business, which I still do now, but it's been a stepping stone. And I think finding out that clarity of the end goal that you'd like to create for your life is the most important thing. Right. Oftentimes people will go to college, like myself included, when I went to college, I just wanted to have a better life for my family. And as far as I was concerned, that's what my parents had taught me, is go to school, get a good education, do well at your job, get a promotion, get more degrees if you need to, and that's how you'll have a, a set life. And I think that was true for me in the beginning, but I don't think retiring at 65 is acceptable in my book. 
uh, I think that there's a lot more value that each human being can provide to society if they are able to figure out a way to get money taken care of and out of the way. So I think understanding what options life starting from that point will always end up better than picking a vehicle because it looks nice right. you know what i mean yeah so i mean you've mentioned your coach and and how he's played a role in, in your life and your career so how important are coaches and mentors and how do you find or acquire one? Oh, that's a loaded question um I, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a coach and a mentor. Um, but I also think it's important to, in a way, qualify who you take advice from. Because I, I was just very lucky to get a hold of my mentor through my USC connections. Um, I think it was kind of a fluke, but I also think there's always a greater plan. Um, I believe in a higher power. And I think that uh, knowing what you want will put you in the right place at the right time if you're willing to take risks and uh, be willing to fail. And in the process, I was able to meet my mentor who, um, believe it or not, you know, he and his wife used to be an engineer and a doctor, but they were able to build up their own business asset at the same time as working full time to the point where in their late 30s, they were able to walk away from their full-time careers, financially independent. And I, like I said, I think it was just kind of a fluke because I didn't even know that was possible. But because of my USC networks and my willingness to just put myself out there, not know what would happen, but what, what could I lose, right? right. Um, I think networking is something that's super important and understanding that for you to gain a mentor, they obviously have to have some incentive to want to work with you. And sometimes it's not, you know, necessarily even like a monetary incentive, but or looks for a mentee who is primed and ready and willing to learn and wanting to apply what's being taught. So I think being the best student is what will set you up to be the best mentee and wanting to teach other people at the same time, I think is what will help you identify who the right mentor is for you and what kind of life they live. Right. So, I mean, you touched on the importance of networking and how you networked through USC. So do you have any tips on how to become an effective networker? Um, I would recommend for anybody who's trying to be networking, uh, focus on what you can give more than anything else. I won't get too hung up on what you can gain from change. I'd purely focus on what you can give, if at all possible. Um, because there's a great book uh, by Bob Berg I don't know you may have heard of, but it's called The Go-Giver. Um, I recommend every high school student read that book because it talks about success principles and uh, 
Um, I think what happens a lot of the times uh, we end up thinking that relationships are transactional, that it's, you know, I scratch your, you scratch mine type of thing. But I don't really think that that's how success works. I think with networking, it's more like sowing seeds. Some of them grow, some of them don't, but you just keep sowing seeds. And at some point, something will grow. So if you focus on, I think it kind of ties back into building that reputation for yourself. And it's not for the sake of building a reputation, but it's because it's just who you are. If you're the type of person who looks to open doors for people wherever possible, whether that's literally or figuratively, right? If that's who you are, something good will come out of it. And I think that's the same approach with networking is realizing what value you can add by what you can offer, um, whether that's in service, whether that's in a compliment, whether that's in a referral, but paying attention to what others might need and seeing whether you yourself can fill that need or if you know of somebody who can fill that need. I think being a connector is super important, giving referrals and um, I think promoting other people. If you're if you're happy with who someone is or what value they've offered to you and you promote to better them, it, it'll come back. Great. Um, I mean, you touched on fulfilling others' needs and most importantly, fulfilling your desires and your goals. Um, so how do you how do you define success and how would you achieve it? Mm. I think success is holistic and I'm going to steal this right from my mentor. Uh, success is dependent on how many better, how many lives are better off because you lived. And it sounds very uh, uh, philosophical, but I genuinely think that success is not just money. I think that's one component of it, but it's how many generations after you have benefited from what you've done, whether that's bettering yourself or bettering others. I think it kind of, you, you end up doing both. But success to me is um, knowing what drives you and cultivating that and encouraging other people to do the same and realizing that where you're at doesn't have to define where you're going to be nor does your past and success is all based on your willingness to dream your willingness to imagine and your willingness to go after that vision as though you couldn't fail. And if you fail, hang tight onto that vision that you have, regardless of what you see in reality. Right. I mean, I guess the question to add on to that is, is have you achieved success? Are you still here, Ms. Trin? Sorry, do you, 
mind repeating that kind of cut out. All right. Um, so, I mean, the question to add on to that is have you achieved success? How do you achieve success? Do you find one's done it before you and has accomplished what it is that you're looking to accomplish? Do you figure out a way to make them your mentor? I think that's what it is. Because um, you, you could figure it out on your own, I guess, by making a lot of mistakes, but you can save a lot of time if you're willing to ask for help and you're vulnerable enough to build a relationship with somebody who has more experience and expertise than you. Because I think a lot of the times um, in a very independent society, uh, we like to just figure things out on our own, which has its merits. But I think to achieve success, um, knowing that there's always more to be learned and trying to learn from everybody regardless of age, experience, like seeing how little you know will help you find out what more you can learn. Right. I mean, so you, you touched on this earlier about your personal life and your values um, in association with your, your personal business. So can you tell us about um, your business that you run and operate? Sure. Um, I build distribution channels on an e-commerce platform, but I also in the process coach a lot of young entrepreneurs who are looking to build something of their own long-term. So a lot of what I do has to deal with uh, social media, connecting, communicating with others, um, coaching and mentoring people to figure out what their goals are monetarily, um, stick it to a timeline, create a game plan, and help them execute on that game plan. So much of what I do has a lot of different facets to it, but I think that's the nature of entrepreneurship. Um, but in a nutshell, I do marketing and distribution for a lot of major brands and companies, and we help them streamline their supply chain. So um, you've probably heard of companies like Macy's closing a lot of stores, for example. So we help a lot of these brands capture more of the online market um, through influencer marketing and that sort of thing. Right. So, I mean, you, you spoke about social media and use of electronics to to capture a larger audience or market. Um, so, I mean, can you touch on, on how this might change with technology changing and, and how it has changed? Probably been harping on this, this whole talk um, is really the fundamental principle that will need to be exercised throughout all of the changes in technology. But another principle that I think will always stay the same and that will probably need to be cultivated better than ever is that human touch. Because especially with COVID and quarantine, and I think people are, are seeking human connection more than anything. And in an age of technology where jobs are being automated, you have um, AI happening, I think there's a lot of, um, turbulence to expect in different industries. I'm sure there will be 
up-and-coming entrepreneurs who will disrupt every single industry imaginable. And I think that our human connections with one another is what will fuel the creativity that's needed in order to reinvent ourselves in the process. Because if we rely too much on technology, I think it's very easy to get bogged down without realizing why we're using technology in the first place. And with whether it's business or education, I think taking a step back and understanding why do we do what we do and implementing that by leveraging technology to reach a wider audience, for example. I think, for example, technology has the potential to make observers of us all who are seeking entertainment, but technology can also be used as a platform for people to, who are really hungry for valuable knowledge to share that with each other and to collaborate with one another. Because I think that's what will create the synergy for new innovation. Right. I mean, so do you have any advice for high school students, whether it be during the school year, what to do, um, or maybe over the summer, especially during this, this, this weird kind of quarantine summer? Um. I would say begin to map out the kind of life you want to live. And I know it's, if you do it over a summer, maybe you might not revisit it, right? But I think it's a, it's a good place to start and it's a good place to try, fail and adjust. So if there's something that you've always wanted to do, do it. And if, you're the type like I was where perfectionism is a challenge and uh, an asset at the same time. Like when I was in high school, I don't know how many AP courses I took. I was just a big nerd and that's what I was raised with. But looking back, I think if you don't, if you resist the urge to identify yourself with your grades and what other people deem you as based on your performance and you allow yourself to fall in love with a, a particular interest that you have and become obsessed with something, I think that will add more value to yourself and to the people around you more than anything else. So don't let grades or anything stress you out too much, but have a standard of excellence in and an agreement with yourself that you will find something that speaks to your soul and you'll throw your your entire mind body and spirit into it right um i mean so just coming back to your career um how do you see your job adapting to the the current events with with coronavirus and the quarantine happening Um, I've been very grateful in, in the process. I think uh, 
the company that I work for has done a very, very good job in um, mitigating some of the challenges from COVID and everything. There's a, a work share program that they participated in so that um, rather than laying off a whole slew of employees, they decided to have the entire workforce cut back on one day of work. So reduced hours and kind of sharing in, in the so-called pain, I think um, was something noble that the company did. And I think in terms of adaptation from a, a business standpoint, um, they were definitely one of the companies who started producing uh, face shields and really helping to contribute to the solution, right? So I think that's been one of the key things that I've observed. Um, and I think embracing the whole remote workforce is something that every company has had to, to really implement. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I see with medical devices, I, I think there's always been a need and there will continue to be a need. Um, so I just see them revamping different products, um, making sure that their employees feel valued and streamlining processes so there isn't a whole lot of waste in the process of producing new products so that it's better for the environment as well. So just having a, a long-term vision, um, I think every company has had to implement. So I see quality engineering staying the same in a lot of ways, um, but just doing things maybe slightly differently than we were used to a couple of years ago. Alrighty. Thank you, Ms. Chen, for joining us today um, and sharing your knowledge, experience, and time with us. Uh, we really appreciate it here at Virtual Student Experiences, and I'm sure the, the students will, who will view this later will be grateful for what you shared with us today. Um, if you would like to join us or learn more, please visit our website and sign up for our email list at virtualstudentexperiences.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for the opportunity.